This is Eklas. And this is Mecca. You're listening to Identity Politics, a podcast on race, gender, and Muslims in America. Mecca, tell the people where they can find us. You can find us wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Acast. You can also find us online at IdentityPoliticsPod.com, on Twitter at IdentityPolPod, and on Facebook.com slash IdentityPolitics. And remember, if you like what you hear, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Hey, Mecca. Hey, Klaus. How's it going? A girl, it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been looking at your Instagram and you've just been like, I have to keep telling myself, like, you chose, I this, chose life. this life. <laughs> I chose this life. Because if I don't remember that I actually chose to be here, I think I would just <laughs> fall into a crippling depression. It's so cold oh my god okay if this is your first time listening mecca is living in chicago um for the second time in her life and just like trying to remind herself that why? like she chose that why did i choose life? <laughs> but you know what helps with the cold is never leaving never going outside and Stop. instead why <laughs> just uh you know watching tv watching movies um, <laughs> Oh my god. But you know what's like so crazy about that is like for the first few months you're like, yeah, this is cozy soups, movies. And then like three months later you're like, wait, am I depressed? Yeah, like, like- it was a sign of something worse. <laughs> I went home for Thanksgiving and I was in the mirror next to my sister and she was just like, Oh my God, you're so pale. Like get some sun. <laughs> Damn. Like, she was like touching my skin, like, what is this? That's so I felt like I know which <laughs> you already know. <laughs> um okay 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 before we get in trouble all right (laughs) um so watching movies okay so uh, just to be fair i have seen that you've been reading a lot of books but we're not going to talk about books today because we've done that (laughs) been there done that yeah been there done that but let's talk about movies okay um let's stick with movies that came out this year I pulled up some because honestly, I don't remember what happened last week. So I probably won't remember what movies I've seen this year. I don't know. Tell me if like a movie this year you've seen jumps out to you that you were just like, wow, that was really good. It has been a long year. And it's been a year where I feel like I've seen a lot of movies twice. Like I haven't seen a lot of movies, but the movies I have seen, I'm like, I need to go support that again. I need to go see that again. So I'm just going to name the three movies that I've seen twice this year. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder if I could like guess them. Okay. I know, I know like one of them has to be A Star is Born. <laughs> <laughs> you like, I feel like when you were telling me about A Star is Born, we we're like on our way to Wellesley and I like thought you were like crying, like telling me about the movie. I was like, oh my God, I got to see this movie. I was transformed by that film and I'm not <laughs> so ashamed to admit that. I mean, you weren't lying. I saw the movie and I loved it. So tell me, what did you what did you love about it? Just Lady Gaga in general, like Bradley Cooper being so oily yet so alluring in the entire yeah. film. I couldn't understand a single word he said. And I loved it. <laughs> You're like, I need captions, please. <laughs> yes. Don't you? It's not so true. I get like so annoyed when they're like white people. And I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, but, like, it just we sounds like. <laughs> 
<laughs> and like people think that's okay. But no, I loved A Star is Born too. I I after seeing it, I told my coworkers about A Star is Born and I was just like, Hey, have you heard of this guy like Bradley Cooper? And they were like, What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> He's an up-and-coming kid. I think he has a future. (laughs) They're like, you do realize he's like a popular actor. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I get all these white dudes mixed up. Like, I really, like, I had to look at, like, Google Images and, like, figure out who is who. Um, But, no, I love the just this whole story arc of just, like, a star rising, one setting. And just how when you enter big industry just like how you can come out a completely different person to the point where you can't the dunya it's really just about the dunya yeah it really is where you can't even recognize yourself and you just like really lose yourself in the whirlwind and i think it even just outside of like music hollywood like how you're saying yeah just like life in general you can lose yourself for sure can you guess the other two films that i saw um, yeah, I definitely know the other one, like Crazy Rich Asians. I never saw it. Yeah, <laughs> it like didn't married. appeal to me. <laughs> yeah, it did not appeal to me. So and I don't think you offered as a convincing argument for this. So it's just a capitalism time. love story. Like who doesn't want to accidentally <laughs> fall in love with some real estate mogul from Singapore who's incredibly attractive and who wants nothing more than to live in like a small apartment with you in New York City and pretend he's not rich. Like it's just really great oh my god are you serious that's what happens he like lives in a small well that's the beginning but i won't spoil the end for you i read the book so full disclosure i went to mexico i got a stomach virus i was like dying of diarrhea the entire time i didn't enjoy my vacation like a single day of it but the (laughs) only thing that made it a vacation was that at the airport i had grabbed the book crazy rich asians so i was just like on the toilet with the book Mm -hmm. the whole week yeah. Oh my god. So the movie holds like a special place in my heart because it saved my vacation. I, that's like so gross. That's so gross. I don't know how to feel about that. I did. I can understand it. I'm not sure it's how fine. to feel it's about it. It's my truth. I'm just speaking it. Just speak it. Okay. The last one. I'm actually not sure what the last one is i think it might have been black panther but honestly i can't even remember that black panther came out ding, this ding, year ding. So. it was the black panther <laughs> oh ex- excuse me you had the correct pronunciation the forest whitaker <laughs> accent <laughs> okay so me i feel like did you actually want to see it twice or was it just like you had to because like obligations to different people so i think i actually want to see it twice so i'm the kind of person that likes to read the spoilers before seeing the thing like there's something about anticipation that just unsettles me like I like to know the basic plot line so that I can focus on like how the story is told so the first Mm -hmm. time I was just like what is this movie about I I wasn't a comic book fan I didn't know anything about it and so you're Mm -hmm. just like what oh my gosh I can't believe that happened and so then after (laughs) all yeah all of that out of the way I could actually pay attention to like the little nuggets that they dropped at the beginning and like the artistry the cinematography the backdrop like I could enjoy it Mm -hmm. more fully when I wasn't just like clenched up in my chair like who's gonna win you know (laughs) oh that makes sense no that makes sense you can see a lot more things when you kind of like already know the ending yeah, I also just accidentally made plans with two different groups of people to see it. So. <laughs> that, that sounds about right. To me. 
That sounds accurate. <laughs> now, wait, did you? I'm trying to remember if you dressed up. Uh, I didn't really dress up. I mean, I'm black, so I just I feel like, like I wore yeah, I wear a scarf already. already, so it's kind of like Afrocentric. So. <laughs> and your clothes are already just like in that same like. Yeah, yeah I can pass. <laughs> <laughs> That's so Do you funny. have any other movies um, that you either saw multiple times or stand really hard for in 2018? Yeah, I would say my favorite movie of 2018 was Sorry to Bother You. Oh, I did not see that one. I read the spoilers and thought it would freak me out. So, no, Sorry to Bother You was amazing. Um, so it featured, you know, the guy from Atlanta. Oh, I can't remember. What's his name? Yeah, Lakeith Stanfield, who is just like, I think he's an amazing actor. I think he's really awesome. And I love Sorry to Bother You because it very much felt like a documentary to me. It's like in the fantasy science fiction, Tessa Thompson is in it. And to me, it just shows like corporate destruction (laughs) and like where we're all headed. And I know some people just like felt like it went all the way left. But to me, it just like felt like very very real of just like the price you pay particularly as a person of color Mm. when you want to rise to the top um in the corporate world and so like what things are you willing to sacrifice um i think is what this movie really highlighted just thinking about the family that you leave behind like relationships and i think a lot about like our generation who the need to make money is a very real thing, right? Like a lot of us come from families that are in poverty or just like very low, low um, economic class. So you're just like really driven to make more money to support not just you, but your family. Um, And so you can start with good intentions. um, But again, you just get trapped. Kind of like what we're saying about A Star is Born. Yeah, the dunya strikes again. Yeah, I know. And like all of these movies, right, that are carrying like this type of theme. So I thought that movie was really great. So if you haven't seen it, I would suggest watching it. Um, And then also the film writer and director Boots Riley was in an episode of The Nod. So you can listen to that too, where he talks about the film, which I thought was really interesting. Nice. I'll have to check that out. Yes. And the other movie I really love this year. So like since dating Joshua, I like since dating, he's going to be like, what the hell? We're married. We're no longer <laughs> dating. Is Joshua your boyfriend? Yeah. I feel like something. Yes. Has he been demoted? <laughs> since being with my husband. <laughs> You've been married to yes. for years. <laughs> so like I always like liked um like superhero comic films, but I've gotten like really deeper into them and I had never seen the Avengers. So in preparations Mm -hmm. for Avengers Infinity War, Joshua and I, he was just like showing me the Avengers, like all of the other Marvel comics that I had never seen. I really, really loved Infinity War and I actually watched that one multiple times. And I'm a huge Thor fan. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, he's so I like had never seen any of the Thors, um, and then I started watching Thor, and I really like Thor. But I really grew to love Guardians of the Galaxy, which is amazing to me. <laughs> you <would>. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, how have I not seen this? This is me. Like, I need to be in this movie. <laughs> my like favorite one is like, I am Groot. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, I like stand for Avengers Infinity War and like I can't wait for the next one to come out. Nice. Yeah. And then the other one I just was going to say is A Star is Born. So I'm very much on the same page as you. I love it. I love it when we're aligned. 
Um, Speaking of aligned, we have one more movie that came out this year that we're going to talk a lot about today. Do you want to introduce the film? Yes, Jen. Oh my gosh. By writer and director Nigel Mutman. And she was actually one of our early podcast guests, like back in 2016 when we first started. And she had just launched her Kickstarter to produce the film. And it came out this year and I was able to see it in the Atlanta premiere. Um, I saw it, I think, earlier this summer when it premiered in Atlanta. And it was amazing. I just like... First of all, you know how I, we just love to see black people on TV and in film. (laughs) And so then to see like black Muslim women representation in film just was like the, gosh, I can never remember these things. Cherry on top, icing on the cake. (laughs) And like actually done well, not something that we have to support because it's like, if we don't support this film, like black Muslims will never get a chance again. Like Red Tails. I'm still mad about Red Tails. Yeah, you were so pissed about Red Tails. Everyone told me that I would just like get kicked out of the black community if I didn't see Red Tails. And I hated that movie so much. Oh my God. I really remember that. That's crazy. But But anyway, this this isn't about Red Tails. This is about Jen, which is actually an incredible film. It's such a good movie. And just like the, you're not watching like the goody two shoes version of like, hey, look, this is what, you know this is who Muslims are. They do this, they do that. But just like a very human representation of what it means to be Muslim. So we have Nigela on this show today and she's going to talk to us a little bit more about Jen and what went into the production of the film and And maybe even play a little game at the end. Cool. Let's get into it. Nigela Mumin is an award-winning writer and filmmaker from the East Bay area. Her work is informed by poetry, photography, fiction, and dance. In 2017, she was named one of 25 new faces of independent film by Filmmaker Magazine. Nigela tells stories about Black girls and women who find themselves between worlds and identities. Her debut feature film, Jen, won the award for Best Screenplay at the 2018 American Black Film Festival and was acquired by Orion Classics. Hey, Nigela. Welcome back to the show. I think it's been about two years since you were last on. Yeah, it's been about two years. Really happy to be here. So much happens in two years. So I know that when we first had you on the show, you had recently launched your Kickstarter campaign for your feature film, Jen. And, you know, we were really excited and we're happy to promote the film. And now two years later, your film was released digitally um, November 15th. And I wanted to ask you, so you tweeted recently that you just realized that you're one of the few Black women to have a feature film released this year, and about how so many stories and directors deserve to be seen, and that the barriers are real, that women of color, women just face in producing feature films. And you kind of left like a cliffhanger. You're like, I could write a book on this, but instead I'm going to concentrate on my next feature. But I kind of want to press you on that a little bit more and just thinking about the barriers that exist when producing a feature film. And what's the difference like between those who get to make the film and those who don't? Yeah, this is definitely like a, a big, a big topic. But I think that you know, making a film, a feature film in it, in and of itself is really difficult. And I think after the process of making Jen, 
um, getting distribution and, and kind, of, kind of being on the other side, I have a better kind of idea of everything that goes into it. Um, filmmaking is just really expensive. You need money to make films. You need connections. You need resources. You need advocates. And I think sometimes for women and women of color and Black women, we don't have the access to those resources um, the same ways that other groups of people do, the same ways that men do, that white men do, <laughs> that even men of color do. <laughs> yeah. So right. we're just sometimes operating at a disadvantage from the beginning. And it, it takes time to really catch up. The fact that, you know, this year, the I think the main film by a Black woman that had a wide release was Ava DuVernay's Wrinkle in Time. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. And, you know, she's one of my mentors and someone I really look up to. So I think that's awesome. But you have to ask yourself why. Like, why is that the only, you know, there's there's so many films. I have colleagues who have feature films right now who, you know, are, are trying to get distribution. So you have a lot of um, distribution companies who are they don't know how to sell our stories. Like they don't know how to market our stories. They don't know what to do with with kind of like black women centered content. And so that's a real major issue um, that a lot of us face is just how to get these films distributed. My film did get distribution, but it was still a, a kind of rough journey to get distribution. Our film was honestly was passed on by a lot of distributors and, you know, people have these conversations about inclusivity and diversity, but you know, you come along and we came with this film. We got great reviews. We got great press. People loved it. Audiences loved it. But we still had a really hard time getting distribution. So I just think <laughs> that's an example of when you make content that is serving a certain demographic. But that's also universal because our film has played well with all different kinds of people. Sometimes distributors don't really know like what to do with your film. Getting funding for your film can be really difficult if you're not making something that fits within like a mainstream story concept. So with Jen, you know, we did Kickstarter. We did all independent financing because this was a film that a lot of people had never conceived of. And a lot of films that Black women make are just stories that haven't been done or just haven't been welcomed in in that kind of mainstream film space. So you just have all these kind of barriers that you you encounter. And I try not to think about them, but I think when you see the numbers, you know, when I was kind of alerted to the numbers and, you know, a tweet that one of my colleagues tweeted about that amount of films being made by Black women this Black women this year, that made me reflect on <laughs> just how hard it was to um, get gin made and just what a lot of us go through that you don't see really on social media. You don't really see what goes on behind the closed doors for us. So I think that that's really where that came from. And I just have so many thoughts on it. And I talk to a lot of filmmakers a lot. But there's only so much I can say in kind of like that space. Um, I just think there just needs to be so much reform done to help get our, our films out there at the end of the day. There's this one movie trope 
of like a white character that like parachutes into some sort of like black history moment. And so we get to watch the film like through this white character's eyes as if like moviegoers can only resonate with the story if it's told from a white perspective and people really don't know how to center like a black experience, let alone like a black women's experience. And I think in one of your previous interviews, you said that your vision has been to capture things and people that are in danger of being erased. And given the time that we're in, right? Like over the last two years, and we know a lot has happened politically in this country, a lot of attention has been on Muslim communities. How do you think a film like this has the potential to influence our current social climate and even political climate? I think the influence is is around visibility and around just making space for different identities and different people. I think when I kind of would pitch this idea initially, people had a very limited um, image of what a Muslim was or what a Muslim is. And, you know, they had just never really considered, you know, Black Muslims who have different personalities and who are going through you know, inner struggles and, you know, who are tested by desire and like all these, these kind of things that I, I, um, I show in my film, they just were never thought about by most people in the film space and outside of it. Cause even the, the films that we did see that had Muslims in them, didn't really go there. Like they didn't want to kind of show human portrayals when it came to to Muslim people. And I think visibility and making space for these people is really the impact that this film has had. I've had, you know, Muslim teenagers, uh, black Muslim teenagers watch this film and send me messages and talk to me after screenings and say, you know, thank you so much. I've never related to a film as much as I related to Jen. And I think that's really the impact that means something to me because I know I was able to to allow somebody a space to feel seen and feel like they are understood in a in a artistic way or you know from from the film's perspective. So that's really what I wanted to give give that space for people to feel like they belong and Black girls to feel, Black Muslim girls to feel like they have um, someone who cares or just like a a place to go and see themselves reflected. So I've seen that happen time and time again with the film. And that is really what keeps me going. You, You know, what you're saying makes me think a lot about when we produce this podcast of how a big thing for us is to give space for Black women to feel heard, to feel seen. So even down to choosing the guests, the topics, that's always our primary goal. But at the same time, we often think about, okay, how much do we want to explain? Like, how much is this show for, you know, people that aren't, you know, Black Muslim women, right? Because they also listen to this show. So when you were producing the film, how did you balance between like having a target audience? And I'm assuming here that your target audience were maybe like Black Muslim teens coming of age, correct me if I'm wrong. And also the idea that this is a big feature film that, you know, people who are not Black and Muslim would also be watching. 
That's a really great question. So definitely I knew that a part of the target audience was black girls. Um, I also knew that the target audience was women in general, black women, Muslim women, just kind of like, you know, I knew this is a story that would appeal to women. And I was, you know, correct in terms of the audience reception of it. But I knew that I didn't want this to be an educational film in the way that it explained every element of the kind of Muslim existence. Like I didn't, I just didn't yeah. want that. Um, to me, that was, that like film would need to be like five hours long. Yeah, I'm not interested in that. You know, yeah. because that world, the Muslim, the Black Muslim world, the Muslim world, it was very familiar to me. So I was just writing from a place of familiarity. And, and hoping, and even when I'm writing, I'm not really thinking, oh, will, will people understand this? Um, I'm just writing from that space of character and emotion, um, of story, and really, you know, infusing my characters with, with so much complexity that I know that people will want to follow the story, even if they're not familiar with Islam. And so I knew that if I created characters that were interesting and complex and had flaws and and were just like people we knew that, you know, people outside of the of the Muslim community could latch on to that and could follow the story. And that turned out to be correct. So I, I just knew that there was a balance. I knew that I was making a film that really was subverting a lot of tropes and stereotypes but at the same time was staying true to emotional struggles of people and not really trying to go in, in the same direction as any of the, the the mainstream images that I had seen in relationship to Islam and film. So it, it was it was really interesting because in the writing process, it was really about, like I said, about the characters and about the story. I knew that if people came away from the film knowing more about Muslims or more about Islam, I, I think that's great. But I didn't set out to really teach people about Muslims because I, I wanted people to be invested in the characters first and through that, you know, form a bond with the world that the characters are a part of, which is a, a world in which Islam is definitely infused and, and is a dominant kind of presence. Yeah, I love that. But I also know that it's really challenging sometimes to tell these intimate personal stories, um, especially about our experiences with something as heavy as spirituality and, and the influences that our parents, you know, wanted to have on us, making sure that they infuse the right values, you know, in us as we were growing up. So you've been open about how much this film has been a product of your own upbringing, um, your own experiences with your community growing up, with your family growing up. So I'm curious about how this film has been received by those who were there for that, your your family, those that you love. I know it's hard to put yourself out there and, uh, you know, to communicate that humanity. I think even with with me and Ikhlas, when we were talking on the podcast, we always have to remember, oh, yeah, our, our parents are listening to this. So, like, how much do <laughs> I know, you right? go into detail? <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. So how have you managed with that? <laughs> yeah, thank you for that question. Um, I actually have a background in in poetry and spoken words. So a lot of my poems in the past dealt with like family and identity. And, you know, they're coming from that real truthful place that Jen came from. So I felt like I had 
you know, some some kind of like preparation from having that background and writing that kind of content in terms of my family knowing that this is what I'm interested in. So they weren't too surprised or anything about me telling this particular story in Jen. But my family has really embraced this film in a way that, you know, really makes me feel good as, as an artist. My father, I think I, I was the most worried about my father's. Um, <laughs> me too. Yeah, my father's <laughs> response because my father is yeah. the central figure in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a devout Muslim. And it, I just knew that I, I just wanted him to, to like the film and to, to be moved by it. And I had a special premiere screening in Oakland where I'm from. And he was there and all of the community from the masjid that I grew up going to, the imam, they all were there. And I was so nervous. But (laughs) they were emotional. They were crying. My dad, you know, he was really emotional. And he just couldn't stop talking about the film afterward. He took away so many things um, from the film that really resonated with him. And that feeling, I mean, I cannot even explain like how it feels to know that your film resonated um, with the community that you tried to capture. So that was a really big thing for me. Um, for me, like my story is a little different than than Jen because my when I was born, my parents were already Muslim. And Jen, you need you see Summer's character um, converting. You see her mother converting, and so I deviated in that way from my own story. But there were there's a lot of people who um, really connect to that story of conversion that I I tried to capture. Uh, my mother, who, you know, I took some elements of my relationship with my mother for for Jade and Summer's relationship. She really loved the film. She's seen it several times. So I haven't, yeah, I haven't experienced, um, you know, any family members, you know, in terms of like pushback for the film from any family members, which is really amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, really I definitely was nervous about it, especially I said with my father, I just, you know, his influence on me when it comes to Islam and and just spirituality is so major that I wanted this to this film to be like a a way for us to connect and for him to see me. He would see me in a different light because there's some things in the film that he might have mm-hmm. not known about me. Right. So that was really interesting. But he just he's you know he loves me and. We've been, you know, he's really been an advocate for this film and really, really appreciated it. You know, this is so funny because I was watching, um, I think it was a behind the lens. Uh, I can't remember uh, who produced this, but it was a behind the lens about your film. And they kept doing these close ups of your dad (laughs) watching the film. And I was like, does he like it? Does he like it? No, yeah. I was like, my dad is so funny. He's such a character because I was like, why is my dad looking like that? Like, people could think like he didn't even like it, but he's just such an interesting person. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He really was into it. And, you know, he was really disappointed actually when. The film ended up not really having a theatrical run in the Bay Area where I'm from. And my father was really, really angry about that. And he was, you know, doing all he could to, you know, have people see the film because he 
really believes in it. Yeah, I love that so much. And like Mecca was saying earlier, I can definitely understand the vulnerability. Um, You know, I was speaking on a panel once to Muslim youth and my mom was in the audience. And, you know, I was just sharing some of the things that I had done in college. And then afterwards, my mom was like, oh, you know, like, why would you say that? Like, now they're going to be thinking that you've done all (laughs) types of things. And then I just like had to tell my mom, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I am a human being and I have done all types of things. (laughs) And so, you know, like when you open up like that and share that vulnerability, like sometimes your parents can be like, what? You know, because mashallah, they're so naive. But yeah, so I, I just like love that you're hitting on that. Yeah, I definitely had that, that same experience with some of the poetry that I had written in the past. Like I did encounter, you know, my mother and my sister, like, why did you write that? Like, and, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm a vulnerable artist. You know, I'm, I'm writing this and they just didn't get it. So it's not, you know, everything hasn't been just smooth sailing in, in terms of my vulnerability and what I expose in my art. But with this particular experience, um, I, I just things kind of just sync together and, and they were on board and just they really love the film. So. It's always nice to have the people you love, love the work that you do. Okay, so this next question is going to be a little bit random, but I have to ask, since Jen has premiered, you've been traveling film festivals across the country, receiving awards for Jen, which you rightly deserved. You've been at South by Southwest, and you've also directed an episode of Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar. So I have to ask, are you famous? Are you almost famous? And if you are, what does that feel like? That is so interesting because I think that's... I think that's awesome that, you know, that it can appear that way. <laughs> I definitely don't feel that way. Um, but, you know, I, I feel grateful and I, I know a lot of opportunities have opened up for me that I didn't have before. And I'm in situations and atmospheres that I just I didn't have access to. So I think I've elevated in terms of my career what I can do next, uh, people that I can call on. So I think that has changed and I'm so grateful for that. But I still feel like I have to work like very, very hard to <laughs> just make things happen for myself. So I don't know if I don't I don't think I'm famous yet. Like I look at people like Ava DuVernay, like Lena Waite and Issa Rae, and I'm like, oh my God, I still like fangirl. <laughs> also them, on the so. same list as them. So I think you're you're definitely Yeah, so I don't feel it, but I, I know that, you know, sometimes I'm getting so many emails and messages and I'm like, oh my God, like I can't respond to everybody. Um and I don't want people to think that I'm, you know, ignoring them, but it, it is a different, like a different kind of um place that I'm in right now, which I think because of Jen, I'm here. So I'm grateful and I can keep working and keep, you know, telling the stories that I want to tell. Awesome. Um, So aside from Jen, obviously, what has been your favorite film that came out this year? Wow, that's so interesting. Because I feel like I, you know, sadly, when you have a feature film come out, sometimes it's like you don't get to pay attention that much. You're like, only my film matters in this moment. Like you go to film festivals and like you don't even see anyone, you know, other people's films. But films that I really, um, I really, really like um, If Bill Street Could Talk. 
Oh, I love that trailer. It looks really good. I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Beautiful. I've seen it twice already, but it's coming out in a few weeks, I think. Um, See, or next week or You something. definitely are famous. You're like, oh, I've already seen that. Been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. You know, Barry Jenkins is really cool. He's also someone that I really look up to, love his writing and directing. So that's a film that I would definitely encourage people to see. It's a love story. I love, like, Black love stories. Beautifully shot, um, you know, based on James Baldwin's book. So... Yeah, I really would say that one. I, I like Crazy Rich Asians, even though I had like, you know, there were some things that kind of bothered me. <laughs> but um, I also saw that one twice. <laughs> I, I like, yeah, I like what they were doing. I like, you know, romantic films. Like I, I'm kind of going in that direction with my next project in terms of a love story. So, um, yeah, those are some films. I, I like Blind Spotting. Blind Another Spotting was movie. good. Um yeah, Bay Area. So <laughs> that film spoke to me. So yeah, those are some films that I lo- that I you know really appreciate and think people should see them. Awesome. So you kind of hinted at this. You just mentioned that you are wanting your next film to be a love story. Can you talk a little bit more about that, or like just what's next for you? Yeah, my next film. Um, it's actually already it's already written. Oh. So we're like. We're, we're in the early stages of development on that um, in terms of, you know, trying to add cast and add, you know, other producers. So that's what I'm doing. That's kind of being overseen by my agency, which is CAA. So I can't talk that much about it, but um, it's a love story. It takes place in the Bay Area and it's just about the epic kind of scope of being in love with someone. Um, it follows two characters from um, childhood until adulthood. And you're going to see them at different stages of their lives and how they change and how they come in and out of each other's lives. Um, and it's just something I want to do. You know, I want to really focus on, on the beauty and the complexity and the pain of, of love between two people. Um, it's also a family story and a story of how the Bay Area is changing very drastically due to gentrification. So, yeah, that's my my next project that I'm really passionate about right now. Oh, wow. Really looking forward to seeing that one. I can't wait because, you know, I'm just like such a like it's I'm not even embarrassed by how much I like stand for your films. <laughs> <laughs> but like I'm really looking forward to this next one. Thank you so much. Like I stand for you guys. Like I love everything that you, you're doing. Okay. So before we wrap up, we wanted to play a little bit of movie trivia. So I hope you've like studied. <laughs> oh, I have. Oh my God. I think I think you'll be okay. We're just gonna do a couple. So it's gonna be a combination of just like quotes, like guessing which movie this is from. So don't be too nervous. All right, so we'll start you off with maybe um, an easy one, okay? Okay, so which 90s movie featured the Looney Tunes on its soundtrack? Space Jam? That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Space Jam. (laughs) I always have to find some opportunity to sing on one of these shows. (laughs) I always, always. (laughs) 
Um, so speaking of soundtrack, what's your best guess as to which 90s movie soundtrack is the best selling soundtrack of all time? Wow. Has a black female lead. It's okay. We can tell you if you don't know. No. And I was about to say Clueless. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely got traded in. <laughs> Okay, so this one is kind of like one of my favorite lines from a movie. I just think it's so hilarious and so rude and so true. So here it goes. Ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. So there are options for this. <laughs> We're going to give some support unless you already know where that line is from. But I can't Okay, so these are the options. Baby Boy, The Temptations, Coolie High, or The Five Heartbeats. That is The Temptation. That is correct. Yes. yes. Okay. That was Leon. Yes. Telling the truth to Otis. Damn group. Nobody's bigger than the group. I'm the one selling the records. They coming to see me. They coming to see The Temptations. Ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. Leon is like a mainstay in those music movies. Those black mu- music films. And they're- Heartbeat. Five heartbeats. He played Little Richard. Yes. They all end up kind of being the same movie. <laughs> I know. I love those. Five Heartbeats is like one of my favorite yes, movies. So good. Okay. <laughs> we just have a couple more. So this is another quote. You must purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> Purple rain. Yay. That's so fast. <laughs> well, for starters, you have to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. What? You have to purify yourself in Lake Minnetonka. If I didn't know that one, like, please take away my. <laughs> Oh my God, that's really hilarious because my husband, the other day, he literally said this quote to me and he was like, oh my God, you don't know where that's from. And I was just like, uh. (laughs) Yeah, someone said that to me a while ago and I didn't catch on. And then when I rewatched the movie, like I knew and I was like, oh my God, I probably look so like not smart. Okay. So here's the last one, okay? So this is a quote from a movie. Here it is. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Oh, that was good. Oh, Rush you. hour. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you did pretty good. I think you only missed one. Yeah, yeah you said you didn't study. I think it's just ingrained in your brain at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tucker, yeah, I just watched Friday the other day. Oh, okay. That is so yeah. funny. I was already kind of had him. Oh, wow. You must be like a filmmaker or something. I don't know how you knew all of these. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for playing movie trivia. Before we wrap up, do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can see Jen? You want to dish them out and all of that? Yes. Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. And it's just my first name, N-I-J-L-A 
one, the number one. So that's where I am. You can follow me. And then for Jen, Jen is currently on VOD platform. So it's streaming on Amazon Prime. It's on iTunes, Google Play, Vudu, and Microsoft. So you can watch the film on any of those platforms in the comfort of your home. You can have a movie night. Um, you know, a lot of people have sent us pictures of them watching the film at home. So it's really exciting. So if you want to watch the film, you can definitely um, watch it, you know, on VOD. Nice. I'm going to have a movie night tonight. Thank you so much for coming on. Identity Politics is a podcast created by me, Ikhlas Salim. This episode was produced by Ikhlas Salim and Mecca Ali. And music is by Ibrahim Azam. Thanks for listening. Till next time. Do you?